Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brothers, so he's talking to believers, he said, we ask and we urge you in the Lord that as you have received from us how you ought to live and to please God, just as you are doing, that you now do so more and more. Now here is an incredible amount of truth. So Paul says, this is how to talk. the people as leaders you ask and you urge he said now first of all they had to learn so that's step one how you ought to live and please God so okay we, we learn together how to live and how to please God he said, now that's great, just as you are doing. Now do so more and more. Now grow. So Paul said, listen, as we've been growing together, he said, you, you learned from us how you ought to live and please God. He said, now keep doing it more. He said, grow in this. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. All right, so now we see God's will. God's will is your sanctification, set apart from sin for a holy purpose. That you abstain from sexual immorality, there's number one. That each of you know how to control his own body, number two, in holiness and honor, number three, or not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Okay, he said, this is, this is God's will for you. That no one transgresses, number three, transgress or wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is avenger in all things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you before. For God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. So, call to holiness. Now, this, this is a big deal. People don't like to mention the word today, but every one of us is called to holiness. Now think about that. There is a call that has come forth from the throne of God that you and I live a holy life. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. All right, so when you ignore the call to holiness, you're not ignoring the pastor. You're ignoring God. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Oh, you got that one down. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, and here's that word urge again, okay? We see it up here, we see it down here. We urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Here's grow again. All right, so notice. We have grow, and now we have grow. So, life is to progress in the good areas. 
We, we don't just want to, forgive me, we don't want to just, okay, I'm doing okay. You want to grow in those areas that you're doing right. And to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we have instructed you. Now this is the Christian life. Christian life aspired to. This is what every Christian should, how we should aspire to live. We want to live quietly. We want to mind our own affairs. We don't want to be in the middle of everybody's trouble. And number three, we want to work with our own hands. These are things that we inspire to live to. I want to live a quiet life. I want to mind my own business, and I want to work with my own hands. So that you may live properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Now, this is needed for evangelism. If we don't live a decent life before the world, we're never going to be able to convince them of the gospel. And notice, be dependent on no one. Now, now please, I don't want to get in anybody's face. But it amazes me how, as Proverbs says, poverty is the rule of the poor. As a kid, I grew up really poor. We lived on welfare. And it was, it was embarrassing. That was one of the reasons I wanted to go punch my dad. You know, we lived on welfare. And then I found out my dad had supported us the whole time, so I have no idea what happened to the money. But, but I do know this. The government is not our provider. Now, I know here in the Philippines, we've been through a hard time with this COVID-19, and I understand. Please, it has been... I don't think the world has ever seen anything like this before. But at the same time, I would look at each of you and go, you know what? If you're going to sit around and watch eat Bulaga and wait for the government to bring you food to your house, that's not how God has called us to live. God is our provider. We should be dependent on no one but God. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those people who are dead, that you may not grieve as those who have no hope. <laughs> this is our attitude toward death. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. All right, so there is life after death. So you and I just need to understand that when a loved one dies, yes, it hurts, because we're not going to see them for a while. But we will see them again. I will see my grandpa again. I'll see my dad again. I'll see my grandma butler again. I'll see my grandpa butler again that I haven't seen since I was 12 years old. I'll see these people who have died in the Lord. We don't cease to exist at death. This is why, yes, we're, we're sad when we lose a loved one. It's just like we're sad when somebody, you know, goes overseas, you know, and we're not going to see them for a year. We, we cry. We, we miss people. We, we have these bonds of love and affection. But the person hasn't ceased to exist. This is why we don't grieve like those who have no hope. And I always challenge all of our people when, when we bury somebody, when we put them in serenity. Listen, folks, you don't grieve like people that have no hopes. We're sorry that they're gone. But we're going to see them again. For this we declare to you 
by the word, by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not perceive those who have fallen asleep. All right, now we begin to talk about the rapture. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet sound of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. All right, at the rapture, the dead are first, alive are second, and we're caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We see Jesus up above the clouds. And then notice the future begins. I like this. And so we will always be with the Lord. Once the rapture happens, we will always be with the Lord from that day forward. So he said, now therefore, encourage one another with these words. What words? The words that soon Jesus is coming. Now, when is the rapture going to happen? There, there's no Bible verses that tell you when. I remember my grandfather, every day he prayed, Lord, come quickly, Jesus. Come quickly today, Jesus. Every day of his life, he lived looking forward to the rapture. And he prayed that prayer since he was 15 years old, and he died, I guess, when he was about 84. And it's been quite a few years since Grandpa died, and Jesus hasn't come yet. But you know, it's been a couple of thousand years since Paul wrote these words, and Jesus hasn't come yet. So, Pastor, why? Because he's being patient. He's waiting for the harvest of this earth. But, brothers and sisters, there's going to come a day, and it's going to be a glorious day, when serenity is going to have a traffic jam getting out. <laughs> I'm speaking jokingly, of course. But there's going to be this beautiful dead in Christ rise first. And then we who are alive and remain, all of a sudden, these bodies will be changed from corruptible to incorruptible. All of a sudden, we will get our new bodies. All of a sudden, we will begin to rise up into the air, whether you're in an airplane or you're driving a car, sitting on a jeepney, or cooking dinner or sitting in the toilet. You're going to rise to be with him. And as you rise through those clouds, your heart is going to explode. Because, you know, in just a second, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And from this day forward, I will never be apart from him. Encourage one another with these words. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. I say that Jesus was, I say
Testament passage today begins in Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah concerning the drought. Judah mourns and her gates languish. Her people lament on the ground and the cry of Jerusalem goes up. Her nobles send their servants for water. They come to the cisterns, but they find no water. They return with their vessels empty. They are ashamed and confounded and cover their heads. Because of the ground that is dismayed, since there is no rain on the land, the farmers are ashamed to cover their heads. Even the doe in the field forsakes her newborn fawn because there is no grass. The wild donkeys stand on the bare heights. They pant for air like jackals. Their eyes fail because there is no vegetation. Though our iniquities testify against us, act, O Lord, for your name's sake. For our backslidings are many and we have sinned against you. O you, hope of Israel, its Savior in time of trouble. Why should you be like a stranger in the land, like a traveler who turns aside to tarry for a night? But brothers and sisters, I want you to notice. Their sins testified against them. But he prayed, Lord, act for your name's sake. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we just come and ask for mercy. Some of you, please forgive me. You know that the things that are happening in your life are because of your sins. Can I ask you today to just humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Can I ask you today to humble yourself and just say, Lord, I have no right to ask this, but I ask this for your name's sake. It's a great way to learn to pray. Why should you be like a man confused, like a mighty warrior who cannot save? Yet you, O Lord, are in the midst of this, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us, don't notice. Even in the midst of their sin, God had not left them. Folks, God is a merciful God. 
you're listening to me this morning and you've screwed up your life royally. God is a merciful God. Please, he hasn't left you. Just reach out for him. Thus says the Lord concerning his people. They have loved to wander thus. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them now. He will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. And the Lord said to me, Do not pray for the welfare of this people. Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. And though they offer burnt offerings and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine. But I give you assured peace in this place. These are the false prophets. And the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless definition, and the deceit of their own mind. So here's the source of false prophecy. The source of false prophecy is the deceit in their own mind. Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, although I did not send them, and if they sword and famine shall not come upon this land. By sword and famine those prophets will be consumed. Wow. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem, victims of the famine and sword, with none to bury them. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters, for I will pour out their evil upon them. You shall say to them this word, Let my eyes run down with tears night and day, and let them not cease, for the virgin daughter of my people is shattered with a great wound, with a very grievous blow. If I go into the field, behold those pierced by the sword, and if I enter the city, behold the diseases of famine. Notice there are diseases of famine. There are special diseases that come in a season of famine. For both prophet and priest ply their trade through the land and have no knowledge. Now notice, ply their trade. All about money. Have you utterly rejected Judah? Does your soul loathe Zion? Why have you struck us down so that there's no healing for us? We look for peace, but no good came. For a time of healing, but behold, terror. We acknowledge our wickedness, O Lord, and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. Do not spurn us for your name's sake. Do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember and do not break your covenant with us. Are there any among the false gods of the nations that can bring rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord our God? We set our hope on you, for you do all these things. This is one of those wow verses to me. Even in sin, when you repent of your sin, set your hope on God. This is such an important truth. Oh, beloved, please, if you've screwed up your life, screwed it up, threw it in a trash can, sent it to the garbage dump, and then tried to dig it out of the garbage, I mean, that bad. If you will humble yourself and repent, 
for the sake of his own name, for the sake of his glorious praise, for the sake of the covenants that he made with us, he'll have mercy on you. Set your hope on God. Now, chapter 15, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my heart would not turn toward this people. Send them out of my sight, let them go. Now notice, he was praying for them to be forgiven, not them. Now, now there's a big deal. Now notice. His prayer, not their repentance. Each time he prays like this, God says, listen, they haven't changed. You're standing here asking for them, but they haven't changed. To understand this, parents, have you ever seen your children going into sin? And you pray, oh God, oh God. But you know what? You can't repent for somebody else. Just like Jeremiah could not repent for them. Verse 2. And when they ask you, where shall we go? You shall say to them, thus says the Lord. Those who are for pestilence, to pestilence. And those who are for the sword, to the sword. And those who are for famine, to famine. And those who are for captivity, captivity. I appoint over them four kinds of destroyers, declares the Lord. The sword to kill, the dogs to tear, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth because of what Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, did in Jerusalem. Ah, remember his sins? So you want to put a little note there. Study his sins. What is it? that Manasseh did. Who will have pity on you, Jerusalem? Or who will grieve for you? Who will turn aside to ask about your welfare? You have rejected me, declares the Lord. You keep going backwards. So I stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. I am weary of relenting. Now, now notice, they reject God and then they keep Going backwards. <laughs> These are people who turned away from God and then kept going. They didn't even stop. They didn't even pause. I have winnowed them with a winnowing fork in the gates of the land. I have bereaved them. I have destroyed my people. They did not turn from their ways. Notice there is no repentance in these people. I have made their widows more in number than the sands of the seas. I have Brought against the mothers of young men a destroyer at noonday, I have made anguish and terror fall upon them suddenly. She who bore seven has grown feeble, she has fainted away. Her son went down while it was yet day, she has been shamed and disgraced. And the rest of them I will give to the sword before their enemies, declares the Lord. Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I have not lent, nor have I borrowed. Yet all of them cursed me. The Lord said, Have I not set you free for their good? Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in the time of trouble and in the time of distress? Can one break iron, iron from the north and bronze? Your wealth and treasures I will give a spoil without price for all your sins throughout all your territory. I said, Man, you sinned all over the land. I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you did not know. For in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. 
Oh, Lord, you know. Remember me and visit me and take vengeance on me for my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that I, that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found that I ate them. Now, now here's Jeremiah's prayer. He said, Lord, remember me, visit me, take vengeance for me on my persecutors. Because, man, they were, they were really hard on this young prophet. In your forbearance, take me not away. Not wanting to leave his responsibility. So, Lord, no matter how hard it gets, I'm going to stay here and face this. For your sake, I bear this reproach, God. And then his attitude toward the word. Toward God's word. Your words were found. I ate them. And your words became a joy and a delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone, because your hand was upon me. For you filled me with indignation and said, I'm not out with these partygoers. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Therefore, thus says the Lord, If you return, I will restore, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not that which is worthless, you shall be my mouth. Then shall they shall then turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. Wow. God said, Jeremiah, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. You're going to stand before me and you're going to utter what is precious. God's word. Not silly little stories, not, not little tidbits to make everybody feel good, not, not influencing thoughts, not Facebook quotes and slogans. If you utter what is precious, not what is worthless, you shall be my mouth. This is one of the things that every pastor has to learn. You can either utter popular worthless things, or you can utter precious, tri- precious, priceless things. What a choice to make. He said, they shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you, declares the Lord. You know, when, when people stand up and they fight men of God who are delivering the true message of God, I did not say that any pastor is perfect. <laughs> there are none. The only perfect man of God that has ever existed is Jesus. But he said, now, Jeremiah, when these people fight against you, I'm going to make you a fortified wall of bronze. He said, these people are going to prevail. He said, and I'm with you to save you and to deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. And God did that to Jeremiah. Some of you young pastors, can I challenge you this morning? Some of you young Christian leaders, don't, don't think that you're perfect, because you're not. But understand that if you will choose to utter what is precious, if you will teach people the truth of God's word, then yes, people are going to fight you. But God will be with you. But you have to choose to utter what is precious and not what is worthless. All right, we're going to close out there today. We will see you tonight at 6 o'clock. 
we'll get back to the book of Romans.